this is Chuck Jenis for the U.S. Green Building Council. Today I have the pleasure of conversing with Kimberly Dowdell for the first episode of USGBC's Executive Corner. In this series, we speak with a variety of industry leaders about their vision, experience, and motivations. Ms. Dowdell is recognized for her leadership in areas that range from architecture and design to race and culture. As an architect, she is a principal and director of strategic relationships at the globally acclaimed design, architecture, engineering, and planning firm, HOK. Her HOK bio begins, Kimberly has devoted her entire professional career to laying the foundations for architects to create positive social change on a local, national, and global scale, end quote. She pursues that commitment on many fronts, Besides her role at HLK, she is the 2024 president of the American Institute of Architects. She also sits on the board of the Chicago Central Area Committee, which works to shape the city's growth, equity, and quality of place. Her academic credentials range from Burns Elementary School in the city of Detroit to Cornell, and following Cornell, Harvard, where she was a Sheila C. Johnson Leadership Fellow. Kimberly, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Chuck. It's a delight to be here. I guess for starters, would you elaborate on your career commitment to laying the foundations for architects to create positive social change? Yeah, sure. So that really was rooted in my early experience growing up in Detroit. And as a young kid, uh, originally I, I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but I had a change of heart at age 11. Um, at that point in time, Detroit, Michigan uh, was undergoing some um, some challenges is relative to, to disinvestment and, you know, a lot of suburban flight and, and things of that nature that were leaving really beautiful old buildings um, abandoned and, and vacant and, you know, boarded up and, and things of that nature. And, and it really uh, dawned on me at a certain moment that if I became an architect, perhaps I could play a role in reactivating these buildings. And now, you know, 30 years later, these buildings are reactivated, um, the ones that are left standing. Um, and then, you know, New, new buildings are being built in their place because Detroit has had a bit of a, a renaissance in, in um, recent years. But at that time, I had learned what an architect was in, a, in an art class. And I said to myself, well, if, if you know, architects kind of shape the way that people live, work, and play, then I'd like to, um, to really work on our existing building stock and help to make it better for people. So that um, in a way, I was sort of like a doctor. I would be a doctor for uh, for. For people or for the or for the community through through buildings, if you, if you will, so a doctor for cities, I should say. Um, and so to kind of get back to your uh, to your question, I think um, laying the foundations for for other architects to really do that that work of of healing cities, which I think is is really core to our our mission. Um, in fact, many people don't know that the duty of an architect isn't to make things beautiful. Of course, I think that's a byproduct, but it's actually um, to protect the health, health, safety, and welfare of the public. And I think that at our best, architects elevate the human experience. And so my work throughout my career has really been to, one, promote that message, but to work through different organizations to ensure that we are recruiting really strong talent, that we are focused on you know diversity, equity, and inclusion, so that um, people from all walks of life, um, from different communities, can actually help rebuild their own communities. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's important that architects reflect the communities that they serve so they can actually have a hand in making their, you know, their own um, neighborhoods better. Um, but 
you know, just in general, you know, at, um, through my role as AIA president right now, I'm working on um, what I like to call my my motto for the year, which is more in 24, um, which is focused on three pillars, uh, more money, more members, and more mission, um, which in part sort of deals with the, the fact that architects are not quite compensated um, well enough for the value that we create uh, for our communities to actually help heal our communities. Um, and so I want to really help to to change that, um, change that aspect of practice to really help improve business conditions for architects. Um, more members, we're at about 98,000 AIA members right now. So I like to get to 100,000 AIA members as the 100th AIA president and more mission, um, which is focused on, of course, advocating for, for the practice and, and architects in general, but also being focused on our, um, our strategic priorities, which are climate action and equity, which is one of the reasons why I'm excited about having this conversation um, you know, for, for USGBC audience members. So in terms of, you know, again, given your role as the AIA president and what you just mentioned, what you've referenced, what do you, how do you approach that? What do you feel are the most important steps for the for building in the environment moving forward from the AIA perspective? Yeah, I mean, you know, climate action, that's, you know, really the, one of the big issues of our time. And it's important that we, um, you know, that we work with our, our members to make sure that they have the uh the understanding of, of what resources are available through through AIA and, and certainly you know our partner um, organizations like USGBC and, and others, but you know one of the most important things that that we did was really um, you know making a commitment. I think most people know about the AIA twenty thirty commitment, and so ensuring that people are are sort of plugged into you know that work, um, ensuring that they you know again have the education around what specific things they can do with their practice, whether it be a small practice, working on individual homes or small structures to a large practice, like, like at HOK, where we work on very large, large buildings, like stadiums and hospitals and airports um, and, and everywhere in between or every type of project in between, um, because we all have an impact. And, um, you know, there's a saying that the most sustainable, sustainable building is the one that already exists. And so really, you know, highlighting the importance of our existing building stock that, you know, that's viable for a, a, a future uh, for the long run and, and finding ways to kind of strengthen those buildings and make sure that they are prepared for, um, you know, for a longer lifetime. In a recent article, you shared that you value adaptive reuse projects for their community impact. How do you envision making existing buildings more sustainable for the future of our communities? Yeah, and you know, as I mentioned from my kind of origin story, uh, growing up in Detroit, um, you know, I, I think existing buildings are such an amazing uh, asset for our cities. Not just um, you know because they're already uh, in place, and so we don't have to to utilize resources to to make them, um, but also the I mean, just the the character that they bring to our 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 streetscapes and the the history that they hold. I think it means a lot to people. Um, um, and also, frankly, we can't really recreate a lot of the places that, um, you know, that were created 100 years ago. The craftsmanship um, is just it's not there anymore. And so I think it's important that we, um, you know, do the appropriate assessments of, you know, the structure and, you know, all the things that make sure that the building is safe for, for human habitation, but also, um, you know, find ways to, you know, as new materials are needed, making sure that those uh, materials are sustainable to the extent possible, locally sourced, um, and just, you know, really maintain the integrity of the existing building, but 
prepare it for uh, you know a long life into the future to serve the future needs of of the population or the community that's being served by that particular structure. Um, so today I'm I'm speaking to you from New Orleans, Louisiana, which is another great American city that has a lot of historic architecture. I'm looking out the window right now. I'm just astounded by this this building that you know clearly has been here for over a hundred years and it's just like so beautifully crafted and um, you know, I think it would be a shame if it were to be demolished. And, you know, I, I know New Orleans takes preservation very seriously. And, you know, I'd love for more of our cities to to really look at those existing assets and, and see the value and find the right, um, you know, preservationists and, and architects and others to ensure that those those uh, structures have a future life that, again, will serve the, the future needs of the population. Wow, that's great. And, you know, here's a... Looking ahead, maybe more to the future, you know, there's a lot going on in American cities now in terms of transformation and trying, you know, with things the Biden administration of funds that they've released. Um, at the Conference of Mayors in D.C., you spoke about how architects are the civic problem solvers you didn't know you needed. How can a chief architect help a mayor's vision and a city's future? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um so I learned actually just about a year ago that uh, the chief architect role was fairly prevalent uh, throughout the U.S. maybe 50, 60 years ago, and it, it sort of went away for whatever reason. Um, and so I'd like to kind of bring that back as a concept because I do think that um, you know architects are very uh, highly trained individuals who are creative problem solvers, and I think our cities more than ever need some creative problem solving to to confront the the myriad of issues that um, you know that are uh, that, that we're encountering. You know, I, I think that having a chief architect in place as a key advisor to our mayors is something that um, that would be of, of great value, not unlike how most cities have a general counsel or, you know, most cities have a, a planning director or a chief engineer. Um, you know, these are the people who are responsible for, um, you know, again, for advising the mayor on on certain issues relative to their field, you know, at the neighborhood scale and you know the the larger city scale. But I think you know having an architect really be involved in issues that that really impact our approach to climate action, even you know transportation systems and um, you know bikeability, walkability, those kinds of things that are really at the um, you know at the human scale. I'd love for architects to really be able to play a, a more robust role in those those conversations. Um, and so that's that's one of the reasons why I think that a chief architect would be um, a great, great asset for our cities. Do most cities have chief architects or are they starting to contemplate, consider that role more so? Um, so right now, most cities do not have chief architects. Um, and I like one of my, my call to action for the mayors is to consider bringing that role on. There are some examples, though, for example, um, the city of Charleston, South Carolina has a chief architect. Um, and I remember when I was at the U.S. Conference of Mayors last year, the, the mayor of Charleston at the time, he said, I don't know what I would do without my chief architect to really help me navigate some of the issues around, you know, the city of Charleston, which takes, you know, they take their, their built environment very seriously. And so essentially, I'm, I'm suggesting that if you are serious about your city's built environment, you know, you should be ser serious about having an architect help to um, to drive certain uh, decisions or or help, uh, you know, help make uh, make decisions for uh, for the for the sake of the, the built environment. In your view, how can we build a more engaged and inclusive design community? How do you make that a reality? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that we look at um, how we're training our architecture students and how our, our um, practices are, um, you know, cultivating the next generation of, of architects to really, um, you know, prioritize climate action, equity, um, and ensuring that, you know, essentially we are protecting the health, safety, and welfare of the public. Um, you know, I think about uh, the fact that you know, there, there are so many different um, types of architecture uh, programs that are out, architecture school programs, and, you know, just finding ways to ensure that, um, that you know, within the curriculum, you know, we're really helping to prioritize the issues that, that matter the most. And I think a lot of schools are kind of catching up with that, um, and some have been taking the lead for a long time. So just ensuring there's kind of consistency over, across the board, and that our firms are able to um, to help kind of carry that mantle forward. And of course, you know, the AIA should be a, a key resource for, um, for the profession along those lines. Um, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's important that, um, you know, that architects are, um, are really empowered and see themselves as empowered to, to help um, advance the, the social issues and um, obviously the environmental issues that, that we're seeing in our cities. Uh, one of the things that uh, actually attracted me to HOK when I joined the firm in 2008 initially was the um, HOK Guidebook to Sustainable Design, which actually came out in the 1990s. And, you know, to, to kind of work with a firm that that had, you know, put out information for not just firm members, but, you know, really for the practice at large to to take, take advantage of it, I thought was really important. And I think that the more sort of research and development that's done around, you know, these issues... Um, I, I think that's that's what's needed to ensure that people are, um, you know, well equipped to take on the challenges of the future. And you know, relative to to equity, I think it's important that we just understand the importance of um, you know having our profession reflect the communities that we serve and finding ways to um, provide access to to the profession for those who maybe might have challenges relative to financial resources, which is one of the reasons why money, um, you know, I'm sort of saying directly is, is an issue that we want to confront so that um, it becomes more economically attractive to um, to practice architecture and help, um, again, more broadly protect the health, safety, and welfare of the public. That's great. Um, let's hope there's a lot of success in that area. Um, any final Thank thoughts you'd like to share before we uh, before we close out? You know, I, I think that, um, you know, being an architect is such an honor and a, and a privilege. Um, and But with that, it comes with a lot of responsibility. And, you know, my hope for my fellow architects and, and those who are, you know, just more broadly engaged in the built environment, that we really see ourselves as, you know, strong stewards of um, not just the built environment, but also the, um, you know, the natural environment, too. And so it's so important that, uh, you know, that we do the work that's necessary to to make um, the best possible decisions to help protect our um, protect our buildings, protect our cities, make sure that people can to can really thrive in their built environment. And so, just uh, you know, if I had any um, parting parting words, just you know, ensure that um, you know that architecture uh, or the profession of architecture is is well equipped to to handle the the challenges of the future. I know that AI is something that um, that we're not quite sure what to what to do with yet, but I hope that we can leverage um, the potential of, of AI to help us, um, you know, improve our climate action efforts and create a more equitable world. 
Beautiful. And that concludes our conversation with Kimberly Dodell, Principal and Director of Strategic Relationships at HOK, and an industry leader who is working diligently on many fronts to address some of the most critical challenges facing us today. Kimberly, thank you for sharing your perspective. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that. 